0: Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, verses twelve through thirty-one. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and, we're all, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so. The body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong in the body, it would not be for that reason, or for, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. Let's just pause and pray together again. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word gives light and life and healing and hope. And we ask today that you would give us these gifts through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage of scripture is uh, part of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And in these verses, he compares their congregation to a body, a human body. He says to them, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And uh, this idea of viewing a local church as the body of Christ, that's a very common metaphor in the New Testament. I imagine that many of you are probably familiar with this. We, we see this metaphor in the book of Romans, the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, here in 1 Corinthians. So again and again, in the New Testament, the church, um, either the global universal church or often just a local congregation, is described as the body of Christ. And what I'd like to do um, with that idea is I'd just like to tease out two, um, what I think are very significant implications of this idea that the church is the body of Christ. Two, two implications. The, the first is this. Since the church is the body of Christ, church should be very important to every Christian if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, your, your commitment to and your involvement in a local community of believers, that really ought to be very high on your list of priorities. Christians, Christians should value church. And um, this is not always the case with people, is it? Especially in this time of COVID. I was looking at some studies that have been done since the pandemic started, and in, uh, in 2019, pre-pandemic, all right, in 2019, only 14% of Americans said that they never go to church. I was surprised how low that was. Only 14% of the people in this country said they never, ever go to church. In, in uh, 2020, as soon as the pandemic start, hit, that number rose up to, oh, to 53%, immediately, immediately. And this is the Gallup poll. In 80 years of polling, this is the first time that ever over half the people in this country said they never go to church. And you're probably thinking, well, they, they, you know, they meant by that they don't go to in-person gatherings, they're probably attending church online. That that doesn't seem to be the case. In 2019, 100% of those who defined themselves as practicing Christians said that they had attended church in the last six months. That's a pretty low bar to be a practicing Christian. You go to church twice a year. 100% said in the last six months they'd been to church. When the pandemic hit, six months into the pandemic, uh, tw- uh, 22% of those same people said they hadn't gone to church at all in any form, not in person, not online, not YouTube, not Zoom. They just, so the pandemic hit, and apparently in this country, one out of five practic- practicing Christians just said, I don't need church anymore. And it, you know, if you think about it, you can understand that. I mean let's be sympathetic with that. Uh, people you know a lot of people say I don't Listen, I don't really think I need church. My relationship with God is a very personal thing, just between me and the Lord. Others would say, and you know, I'm just really not into organized religion. Um, others say, you know, there. I found other ways besides church that I can keep myself close with God. I can listen to praise music at home. I can listen to podcasts. So, some people would say, and I, I would, I would agree with this churches are very imperfect communities right there's always lots of inefficiency there's usually some degree of hypocrisy whenever you're part of a church there are people there that you don't necessarily see eye to eye with so you can understand this this feeling but then you come to a passage like this one and this passage just clearly warns christians not to sever themselves from the church not not to do that verse verse 15 says, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And, and the apostle being very imaginative here, isn't he? Just kind of use your imagination. Imagine you wake up in the morning and, and, and your foot says, I don't think I want to be part of this body anymore. I don't think I need this. I'm, 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 I'm fine on my own, by myself. After all, it's not like I'm a hand or something. Those hands, they're so needy, they're so dependent. You know, if a hand is not attached to an arm, it can't do anything at all, but I'm a foot, I'm not like that, I'm a foot. Feet can stand on their own. The apostle says, that would be ridiculous. How long would your foot live severed from the leg, right? Or or he says, with the ear, imagine your ear says, I don't need to be part of this body, I'm not an eye those eyes are so weak. They're so delicate. If they don't have an eyelid to protect them, they can't survive at all. But there's no ear lid. I, I don't need protection. I don't need to be part of this body. He, the apostle says, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't, for that reason, stop being part of the body. So he's just, he's basically saying in a very imaginative way, he's saying, listen, Christian, don't think for a second that you could somehow sever yourself from the body of Christ without without suffering harm. Don't, don't, don't think that. And uh, maybe you've observed this. I know I have is over 30 years as a pastor. Again and again, I've seen when, when people make a decision to drift from the body of Christ, eventually they drift from Christ as well. It just, it, it happens. So, he's saying, don't th- don't think that you could cut yourself off from the body be, be, without it harming you. And, and, and besides, I mean, listen, if you know Jesus, if you're a Christian, why would you want to do that anyway? I mean, when you look, look through this passage, again and again, we're reminded that um, contrary to what you might hear, church is not a man-made institution. It's not, it's not a human idea. The apostle tells us that that God is the one who, who has placed his people in his church. You see this again and again. Verse 13, he says, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. It doesn't say you were baptized by the pastor into one body. No, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who did this. Verse 18 says, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. The middle of verse 24, God has put the body together. Verse 28, God has placed His people in the church. So, this notion that, that believers in, in Christ would be joined together with other believers so as, to form, so as to form communities of faith that function like the body of Christ, this, this whole notion, this is God's idea. So Christian, if you, if you know that God loves you, by the way, let me just call time out. Can I remind you today that God really, really loves you far beyond what you can comprehend? If, if you know that, that God loves you, why, why would you want to resist his plan for your life? Saying, now, God, I, I realize that you wanted me to be part of your family, but I, I don't want that. Why in the world would you want to do that? One, um, one pastor named Bill Kynes, he wrote this. He said, people who say, I can be a Christian without being part of a church are missing the whole point. You you might as well say, I can be born without being part of a family. He says that may be true, but who would want to, right? So so first implication of this idea that uh, the church is the body is since the church is Christ's body, church, the church should be important to every Christian, all right? The second implication is that since the church is christ's body every christian should be important to the church right the church should be important to every christian but every christian should be important to the church so if you kind of break down this this passage Verse verse 15 to 19, that paragraph is saying that individual Christians should not overlook the importance of, of, of the church. And then verse 21 to 26 is saying that the church must not overlook the importance of individual Christians. Verse 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Now, there are, um, listen, there are, there are parts of your body that you don't show to the whole world. There are parts of your body that you probably don't think about very often. But would you agree with me? There are, there are no parts of your body that are not important. They're all important to your health middle of verse 24, he he writes, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Verse 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So, that this idea of suffering, if one part is suffering, we all, we all enter into that. Romans 15, verse 15 says, we are to weep with those who weep. Like just share in the pain and the, the, the grief and the suffering of others. So, um, to kind of imagine that in line with the metaphor he's using. Um, when you woke up this morning, you got ready to come to church. I would imagine there are probably certain parts of your body that you paid attention to. Right? So maybe, for example, you thought about your stomach and you remembered to give it some breakfast. Right? You thought about your hair. You remembered to comb your hair. Maybe you, uh, we hope, thought about your teeth. You remembered to brush your teeth. All right? But I'm going to bet that most of us here, you probably did not think much about the pinky toe on your left foot right? You probably didn't give a lot of attention. Maybe you haven't even thought of that toe until I just mentioned it right now, right? But I'll tell you what, if when you got out of bed this morning, you had stubbed that little toe against the leg of the bed, you would have thought about it, right? I mean, that's all you would be thinking about. There are parts of your body that would have stopped everything they were doing just to lend attention to that one little tiny part that was hurting. And that's what Paul's saying here. If one part suffers, every part cares suffers with it and he says it's the same with honor so um again we're using our imagination imagine that you're very hungry and you are invited to a meal and you sit down to a table that is just spread with delicious food listen Your stomach is the part of your body that's going to be honored with all that food, right? Your eyes are not going to get that food. Your nose is not going to get that food. Your tongue is not going to get that food. It's all going to the stomach. But those other parts of the body are pretty happy about that, right? The eyes look at the food on the table and say, oh, this is good. And then the nose smells the aroma and says, this is great. And the tongue tastes the food and is really excited about it. All the food is going to the stomach, but these other parts rejoice to see that happen, right? I guess they understand that if the stomach is fed, eventually the whole body will be strengthened by that. So the apostle says here, he says, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's important to remember in the church, right? Let's say something really good happens to a a brother or sister in the congregation. God blesses them. They get married they have a baby. They get a scholarship to college. Rather, rather than us sitting there just kind of resenting, oh, I'm a better Christian than he is. Why would God bless him that way? Rather than doing that, we just rejoice. Oh, God, thank you that you're, you're blessing my sister, my brother in that way. So, so the point is, he's saying since since the church is Christ's body, every Christian should be important to the church. Now, the context here, and we looked at the beginning of this chapter last week. The context here is the apostle is discussing this idea of, of spiritual gifts, right? And and the role that spiritual gifts play in the life of, of a congregation. And by spiritual gifts he's referring he's referring to the way that the Holy Spirit will empower individual uh Christians with certain abilities, certain capacities to serve the rest of of, of the congregation, and and, uh, you can see a list of various gifts starting here at verse 28. And and if you look at this passage, the passage makes clear that not every Christian is given the same gifts, right? And uh, apparently not every gift plays the same role in the life of the church verse 21 verse 31 he actually says there are greater gifts some gifts apparently are greater greater than others he even ranks some of these gifts starting at verse 28 god is placed in the church first of all apostles you mean apostles are more important than me well their gift is apparently second prophets third teachers then miracles then healing so in a certain sense you i guess you could say that some gifts are more important in the church than others, but you can never, ever, ever say that some people in the church are more important than others. You you just, you mustn't say that, right? And and, and why is that? Because our value in God's family, it's not based on what we do, is it? It's It's not based on that at all. It's based on What Christ has done for us. It's so important that we remember this, don't you think? I I saw an article on on the internet this week that was really heartbreaking. It was written by a a woman, Christian woman, who has a son, um, a special needs son, all right? and he's been part of the youth group at his church, and he apparently he had some kind of health crisis, and the mom was really hoping that the youth group would rally around her son and help him through this time, and there was almost zero response to his need, and she just she couldn't help but feel like if her son didn't have these disabilities. If he was a star athlete or if he was a, an A student or he was on the praise team, just kind of, she just knew he would have been treated differently. She said it was just like a knife in her heart. And near the end of the article, she wrote this. She said, when, when we are marginalized by our own churches, oh, by the way, let's, let's just pray that never happens here. For whatever reason, to anyone. She said, when we are marginalized by our own churches, it feels like we're being pushed away from God himself. You're feeling the heartbreak I felt when I read it, right? If you you understand the the, the gospel, you understand Christ, you don't want that to happen to anyone. Why? Because in God's family, our value has nothing to do with, with what we contribute, what we do, what we can do, what we can't do. Our value is based on Jesus. And isn't that the whole heart of the gospel? The good good news tells us that through Christ, because of who he is, what he did, that he died for us, that he rose for us, when we trust in Christ, it says that God loves us, God brings us into his family, even though we have absolutely nothing to offer at all. In fact, if you understand the gospel, you realize that the only, listen, the only thing you really contributed. To your salvation? It was your sin. That's it. Everything else is given and done by Jesus. And so, isn't it great to be in a church? You know how wonderful that is to be part of a community where your value has nothing to do with your performance. And, and the reason that's wonderful is because in most areas of life, let's be honest, it's not like that. Right? It's not like that in, at work. It's not like that at school. It's not like that in sports. It's Often it's not like that, even in some relationships. It, it, in most areas of life, our value in a community is based upon our performance, but it's not like that in the family of God. Isn't that wonderful? Because of, listen, because of Jesus God loves us the same whether, whether we have you know, unusual gifts or very average gifts. He loves us the same whether we accomplish a lot or accomplish very little. He loves us the same whether, whether we are able to contribute lots and lots of money to the, to the offering or we have very almost nothing to give at all. Listen, he loves all his children regardless of what we can or cannot do, and it's all because of Jesus Christ. I, I recently read a biography of a Very well known uh, pastor and author named Eugene Peterson. You may have heard of him. Unusually gifted man. Just um, uh, a PhD in biblical studies, uh, amazing author, great pastor, great preacher. And through his life, he made significant contributions to the life of the church. He wrote, I don't know how many books, sold millions of copies. It was just known far and wide. And in the biography, it's said that at the end of his life, Eugene Peterson, like happens with many people, struggled and suffered from dementia. And so in the last days of his life, he couldn't preach any more sermons. He couldn't write any more books. He couldn't counsel any more people. All he could do is basically sit there and listen to the birds and smile. And, and, and uh, thinking of that book in the light of this of this passage, it just made me realize, God did not love Eugene Peterson anymore when he was contributing to the church, and he didn't. He didn't love him one bit less when he had nothing more to give. His His love for him, Christian, is like it's like God's love for you. It has nothing to do with your gifts. God can give gifts. God can take them away whenever He wants to gifts are given for the well-being of the whole church but God's love is given without limit to everyone in the church. So if you've if you've trusted Christ, can I just I just want you to hear this today. Maybe you maybe this is what you need to hear today. If you've placed your trust in Christ, by the way, pause if you haven't. This would be a great day to start trusting him. It would. You're invited to do that. If you've trusted Christ as your savior, listen you are a cherished member of God's family. If, if, you, if, you, if you've trusted in Christ, you are a greatly loved child of God. You are God's treasured possession. Do you know that? You, and you're an essential part of the body. You are an essential part of the church. So this, these these are the implications of the meta- this metaphor. Since the church is Christ's body, church should be important to every Christian. And, and since the church is Christ's body, every Christian is important in the church. Right. Why? Because every one of us is loved by God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we, we want to ask your help and your grace as a congregation we really need help to live out the truth of this passage we need mercy for the ways that we have failed but we thank you that the church is your work and that you are building it and and we just pray that we would rejoice to know that you have brought us into your family into a community where every one of us is equally important in your eyes and where the gifts you give are given to be shared. We, we just pray that through your Holy Spirit, more and more this would be experienced by every one of us. In Christ's name, amen.